0: To Ezekiel, chapter one. So we're going to do a nine-week series in the book of Ezekiel, and you're like, "Think of why Ezekiel?" Well, it it started way back around 14 years ago, which is just unbelievable to think, or or 13 years ago, something like that. I don't know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Where We we started to rename our church, went through this process, and uh, this uh, guy came into my office and said, he just had been in the the worship center, came over, he said, I just had this vision. Uh, We were all in, in the worship center worshiping God, and as we worshiped his presence, this water started filling up. Uh, the room, and, and we're just worshiping, nobody's focusing on the water, and as the service went along, and the worship got more intense, and the water kept rising and rising, and everybody's focusing on God, not the water, and pretty soon, we're all immersed in this, and praising God, and he says, I just, the, the, the water was the, the presence of God, his grace, and, and I know he talked about his grace, and his healing, and his love, the, the, that's his that's what the vision is. He's like, I don't know what to do with it. And he just walked out. And I shared that with, uh, at a prayer meeting. I Many of you have heard this story, and there's a guy here just, he came a couple times to our prayer meetings, and I think he came for that night when I shared it, because he just, when I shared it, he just jumped out of his seat, and he's like, that's the fresh water of God. That's the fresh water of God. That's Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47, and he's just going crazy. And and uh, I went, and read Ezekiel 47, and I'm like, wow, uh, Freshwater of God. And we changed the name of our church a couple weeks later, a couple months later, to Freshwater. And I've been reading Ezekiel. I, I really, I mean, I read through Ezekiel a number of times because I had to at Bible college, and then I had to to get ordained. And But you know how you read things, and you're just reading things and trying to get through. And so I never really read Ezekiel, And then I started to read Ezekiel, and then I realized why I didn't read Ezekiel. (laughs) Like, it's rough. Ezekiel is, I mean, it's hard. Just in my studies here, it's funny. Rabbis would avoid this book. They talked about, don't even try to preach through this until you're in your 50s. And uh, I haven't reached it, so... um, I'm not in my 50s, although I know somebody really close to me who was almost 50. Um, I'm not going to say who that is. Um, But, you know, as I've been reading Ezekiel over the 14 years, these past 14 years, I've gotten more and more uh, into it, And, and what's happened is Ezekiel's gotten more and more into me. And there's just this... Thing it's kind of the sense over the last fourteen years that God's like, you're gonna preach through this. I want you to preach through this. And when I started, I'm like, uh, I don't know. And now it's just um, it's time. So we're gonna do nine sermons through this. Uh, it's obviously forty-eight chapters. Um, we're not gonna do a forty-eight week series on Ezekiel. There's a lot of themes that are are the big themes here, and we're going to kind of hopefully jump through those things. Um, So let's start. Uh, This morning, we're only going to cover three verses, so um, that may, I mean, if I hadn't said nine weeks, you'd have been scared, like, how long is this going to go on? So uh, this is uh, Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 1. In the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I, Ezekiel, was among the exiles by the Chabar Canal. The heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. And here's an editorial thing that's put in there. On the fifth day of the month, it is the fifth year of the king, or the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoi- uh, Jehoiaken. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Uzi, in the land of the what? In the land of the Chaldeans, by the Chabar canal and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Now, Ezekiel sets the location. It, it's by the, the Jabar River, which isn't in Israel. It's in the land of the Chaldeans. This is, this is Babylon, right? This is the center of the Persian Empire this is modern day heart of modern day Iran 593 BC this is not good like if you if you don't know much and and you didn't know much of Israel's history or anything this this is not good like this is a really bad start to a book A horrific start. He's in exile. And not only is he in exile, but a lot of Israel are exiles. This is awful. This is cataclysmic. This is terrible. You can't understate what just happened here. Something's gone wrong. Like, terribly wrong so let me catch you up to speed because unless you know the history of this this doesn't this is just like okay whatever this is awful this is horrible so if you have your handout does everybody have a handout or are you close to a handout if you're not close to a handout raise your hand Um, okay do our ushers guys do you have any more handouts Uh, I don't see them we'll get we'll try to keep that hand up there you're going to need this or get close to one um, so just keep your hand up, uh, they're going to help you out. Um, you're going to need the handout because what I'm going to do is we're going to go through a little short journey through the history. And uh, what's happened is, the, the thing that's gone terribly wrong is, what's happened to the covenants? What, what's gone on? Because something is, is amiss, a and the, what's amiss is, is what God and Israel had, this agreement. So Abraham, we're going to go all the way back to Abraham, 1800s, and you're going to have to flip back and forth, all right? So on one side, I think you're you're going to have uh, the timeline. On the other side, you're going to have uh, different covenants, right? So you're going to have the Abrahamic covenant. This is what you need to understand. It's in chapters 12, 15, and 18, or 17, rather. And God comes to Abraham by grace, just chooses Abraham, and this is what he says to Abraham. Abraham, I am going to make you the father of a great nation. This nation will be God's chosen, my chosen people, God's chosen people. This nation will have land. The world will be blessed through you, your nation that I'm going to make. Many nations will actually come from you, Abraham, and I promise, I covenant to make you fruitful. I mean, there's a blessing that just comes on it. This is the Abrahamic covenant. You need to know this. If you follow Jesus, you need to know this. This is huge. And God comes and does this by grace. And Abraham's side of the covenant is simply this. He says, I want you to be circumcised as a sign and all those, the male descendants, all of those who, who are part of your family line, why as a sign of faith that you have faith in me and you believe in this covenant and me and that I'm trustworthy. Faith, it's really a sign of faith. God chose us by Grace. So that's 1800 BC. Fast forward about 350, 400 years to Moses. Moses comes along. Israel's is grown now into this nation of 12 tribes now and over a million people. I'm not sure how big it was. Is it big. It's huge, right? Um, and, and then they've been enslaved, and God sends Moses, sets them free. They have the Exodus. They get over to Mount Sinai. Now, Mount Sinai, you now have the Mosaic Covenant. And you see the the essence of it is in in these chapters in Exodus, chapter 19 through 24. Some would argue it gets restated again right before they go into the land in Deuteronomy. And, And for the way I look at it, they're both the same thing. It's just rephrased like, God's. you're still in for this thing kind of thing. What happens at Mount Sinai is God gives this covenant, and it's the moral and the civil and the ceremonial law. He says, This is how I want you to follow me as a people of Israel. And he says these two things If you obey me, you'll be blessed. If you disobey me, you'll be cursed. And the whole nation gathers, and everybody raises their right hand of their free will. And they say, We're in. Sign me up. I know what I'm getting into. Like, it wasn't unclear. It was very clear what God was saying. And Israel, Israel said, we'll do it. The Mosaic Covenant. Shortly after that, or right there in that same time, we have a third covenant. It's called the priesthood, right? The priestly covenant. It's actually said over in Numbers 25, Exodus 28 and 29, talk about what the priesthood should look like. This covenant but it's over and it's a fascinating story in Numbers chapter 25 that Aaron is chosen because Aaron is jealous for the Lord. Jealous for the Lord. And it's a really grim story. I mean, it is. You have to go read it it later. Um, There's a lot in Ezekiel you look at and go, wow, uh, we give our kids this? Like, if you read through Ezekiel, you'll see. We actually have a a rated R sermon coming here at the end of February. The kids won't be in. Kids under sixth grade down because it's that intense. Like, sometimes we say, go read this Bible, but I don't know whether we read it sometimes. Because it's intense. It is. And Aaron's this guy who's intense. He's jealous for Jesus, or for God, sorry, Jesus came later, but Jesus is the son of man, right? So anyway, he's jealous for the Lord. And so what happens is the priestly covenant is this. God says, you will be now a mediator between me and Israel, which is interesting. It foreshadows Christ. They're the mediators. They lead Israel to know and worship the Lord, and they release the blessings of God on Israel. That's the covenant. And Aaron gets this, and it's for his line, his family line. So all the Levites now are are part of the priesthood. Fast forward then another 400 years. So now we're, if you look at the timeline, we're now around 1,000 B.C. where David is. And, and David's now the second king of Israel. Israel had all the cycle of judges and that was a whole mess. And, and then Israel's like, oh, we want our own king. We don't like you to be king. And God's like, you don't want that, but here you go. And Saul, that turned out really bad. David comes along great, man, after God's own heart. He loves God and God comes to David in 2 Samuel chapter seven. And he says this to David. David David's just like all about the Lord, all about the Lord, And he says to David, I will give you and your family an everlasting line of kings. You will rule on the throne of Israel and it's this unconditional promise. I mean, it's kind of breathtaking. God just comes and just says it. David's heart was after God. The Davidic covenant. And then what follows is this, we get to Ezekiel chapter one. He's in exile. And this is why it's such, it's like a bomb goes off in the first three verses. It's a huge bomb. Why? Because there has been a massive breach of the covenants. A massive breach. It's horrific. By all appearances, all the covenants are shredded. So what happened between David and then 593? Well, the history lesson is this. So King David the will start to come off his kingdom, the choices that he made and the repercussions of that, the judgment that followed on his family, but it's still the height of the Israeli empire, right, at this point, point. Uh, and uh, David, Solomon, it's the glorious kingdom is right then. But even under Solomon's reign, he brought in, what is it, eight or 900 wives, concubines from foreign nations, which God had said back in the Mosaic covenant, don't do this. And there they are with all their idols, with all their gods, in the heart of the kingdom, right where the temple is, right where the palace is. And from then on, Solomon dies, and as soon as Solomon dies, it's civil war. And this is kind of confusing, if you don't know the history. Civil war happens, and, and Israel breaks into two different nations. And so you have, now you're gonna see two different timelines there. Israel, so the northern kingdom had 10 tribes, and they were called Israel. And then there was a southern kingdom that had two tribes, and they were called Judah. The southern kingdom got Jerusalem. They got the palace, and they got the temple. And Judah, that's the line of David. They, they, they kept the, the seat of power, the seat of worship. And what, what we see as you start to follow, let's say, the northern kingdom, Israel, is a series, And you can read this in 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles. You'll go through and see all these kings and it gets real confusing until you realize, oh, they're switching back and forth between kingdoms. They're going to Judah, then they're going to Israel, they're going to Israel, and then Judah. That's why. That's why it's confusing. So let's start with, let's just keep with Israel for a real quick uh, second. And, and so they go through northern kingdom, Israel, right? And, and what happens is they just start, they just start going off the deep end. These kings lead them away from God and there's, there's a couple revivals in there, but you see the prophets that God sends. God sends Amos, God sends Hosea during this. Actually, and then you look up above and you see the kingdom of Assyria. God sends Jonah to Assyria, right? God sends Nahum to Assyria, like there's, there's just all this activity of God and he's trying to pull Israel back, call them to repentance, restore the covenant relationship. And Israel, after 200 years of this, Israel's just completely off the rails, has completely abandoned the covenant. And not just the covenant, they've abandoned their relationship to God. And judgment comes and God sends Assyria and destroys the Northern Kingdom. And what Assyria does is they take all kinds of Jews from the Northern Kingdom and they they disperse them throughout the Assyrian Empire and then they take other conquered nations. Assyria takes other conquered nations and they bring those people into the northern kingdom and, and plant them in there. It completely disrupts the whole social fabric of the northern kingdom. It's, it's just gone. It's done. And you'd think the southern kingdom watching the northern kingdom would kind of catch on, but they didn't. They had a few more revivals, a few more godly kings, but as you can see, eventually they too came to this point of rejecting God and the knowledge of him. And God sent Joel, and God sent Micah and Isaiah. And these these guys are contemporaries. If their names are right next to each other, they're contemporaries. They ministered at the same time. And you see Zephaniah towards the end, right? Zephaniah, Habakkuk, Jeremiah, all are coming right around the the, 600, 615, 620 BC, trying to pull Israel back into repentance. And eventually God just says, no, I'm done. And in 605, judgment came. And so if you read the book of Daniel and you read about King Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon, that's, that's this. 605 B.C., Israel is conquered by Babylon. They set up a little puppet king, uh, uh, you know, a Jewish king, but it's under the control of Babylon. That goes on for, I don't know, 10, 15 years, and then he kind of fancies himself. I'm like, oh, we're going to rebel against Babylon. And then and, and 586, Babylon comes, sieges, lays siege to Jerusalem and wipes that city out. Out. They took all the best, the youngest, the brightest, the leaders, everyone, deported them to Babylon in exile. why Israel's cursed now the nation's dispersed the land is destroyed Israel's become a curse to nations the royal throne the power it was stripped away from them the temple's destroyed the priesthood is stripped of their privilege why I believe I believe it's very clear God says it over and over and over again, and then he actually says it over again, and then over and over and over again. He says it so much in the book of Ezekiel that it really becomes a thing. Like it really starts to stand out the more you read Ezekiel again and again. In fact, if you search this phrase in the whole Bible, it occurs 99 times. Over 70 times it occurs in Ezekiel. You know what God is so upset about? They did not know he was the Lord. Over and over again, he says this, I'm going to do this so that you know I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I'm going to do this so they know that I am the Lord. I'm going to do this so that your generations after you know that I am the Lord. I am the Lord. I am the Lord. No, I am the Lord. No, I am am the Lord over and over and over again. God says this. And, and when you look at these covenants and, and the emergence of this and what God did, he made, these covenants made Israel into something. It's this unimaginable grace that God has where he brings Israel into this relationship with them so that they would know him. And out of that, love him. Not be perfect, but love him. Love him. Be in relationship to him. Make this priority of knowing he is the Lord everything to them. Solomon, I, I think he sums it up perfectly. The the essence of all these covenants is this, that I am his, I am my beloved's, and he is mine. His banner over me is love. That's, that's the essence of it. To know that I am his and he is mine. And what's crazy is they didn't care anymore. They didn't want to know him. They didn't care to know him. They didn't care how other people knew him because of them. And over these next nine or eight Sundays that are left, this theme is gonna drive it home because God wanted to make it clear, set the record straight on who he is, He wanted to make it so clear that people would know him. Do you know him? And if you look at verse four, all of a sudden he starts in to this image of God and his glory. The thing he wants people to know, first and foremost, is who am I? And that's next week. Read it over. Do you know him? Like it's it's relationship, but it's so much bigger than relationship. It speaks of unimaginable glory. It speaks of royalty. It speaks of authority. And to know him is a, to know sovereignty. To know him is to know mercy, and, and it is attributes and his qualities and his names. And what's crazy is after centuries of them rejecting God, rejecting God, God bringing judgment, guess who shows up in exile? God. He didn't write them off. Do you know him? Like he comes to them in exile. Why? Because he wants them to know him. Like What? That's, what, that's what's crazy about these verses is you think God's written them off and God hates them. No, God just wants them to know him. And he's still going after Him. There's this song. I just, I just have this song that keeps going through my head. It's an old chorus. And it just is just, it's just a simple thing. I remember singing this as a kid. I'm like, "Ah, whatever, everybody's singing it.
1: It's just like, it just goes like this. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. Greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. I want to know you more. I want to know you more. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. What if the greatest thing? in
0: your life that could ever happen is knowing him. You think about that. What if it said on your tomb at the end when it was all said and done
1: She knew the Lord.
0: You know, this last week, uh, it's all over the news. Kobe Bryant passed away. And all the things that are said about him. And uh, a staggering influence. Staggering influence, this guy had. And uh, I don't know where in the journey this was, but he started to follow Christ. Somewhere in there. And, uh, you know, I... we got tens in our theology about what I believe and, and what we should believe. And... Um, And yet when I I hear Jesus say, if you know me, if you love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, you're mine. And, And he's taking communion hours before he dies. Communion, saying, I love you, Jesus. I don't know how much press that's gotten. It just struck me. And he took his daughter The greatest thing, the greatest thing in all our, not our lives, right, is this. I mean, you, you hear it, is,
1: is knowing him.
0: And all that that brings, like if you know him, it brings identity. Because he starts to say, This is who you are. This is who I made you to be. You know him. You can sing a song like Waymaker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. That's who you. you have you ever, you know that? Like we sing those words, but man, that's a name. That's the name of the Lord, the Waymaker. You know that one? I know that one. Promise keeper. Light in the darkness. To know him. I want to just sing this song as a prayer. I want to sing it as a prayer, Lord, would you, over these next nine weeks, I, I want to know you. I just, I want to know you. I want to know you more. Make this the greatest thing. And it's hard. I just, there's a part of me that just, uh, I just think, man, we got in a couple of nights people that are coming that don't, they don't even know him. They just don't even know him. And maybe the only way they do know them or know the Lord is, is you. I don't know what you do with that. I don't know how that comes into this song. It's just like, I want to know him and, and he wants to use us to help other people know him. And, If you don't know the song, you don't have to sing along. If you do know the song, you don't even have to sing along. I just want this to be a moment where we just, we close with this and sing
1: to him. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you. The greatest thing in all my life is knowing you i want to know you more i want to know you more the greatest thing in all my life is knowing.
0: Jesus, in your name, I just release the knowledge of the Lord, that phrase, to know the Lord, to know you are the Lord. Each of us in this room needs to know that you are the Lord in a unique way that, that, that's for us, that hits us, each person here. So God, you're, you're, to know you is to know you can do that right now. God, what does each person in this room need to know about you as the Lord right now? Just say that to them. Show that to them. This is what I want you to know about me. I am. Talk to your people, Jesus. Talk to those even in this room who are trying to figure out what they believe and one foot in the boat, one foot out, not sure. Or maybe just on the shore, not even sure to get in. Lord, I thank you for this day. I just thank you so much, God. You're just so good to us. As we close, I don't think an amen should happen. It's just uh, keep the conversation going with God. And if you have something, um, the Holy Spirit's just like talking to you, ask for prayer because you're going through this. We have people up front that would love to pray for you. Um, Please take advantage of that. They, They wanna pray and see what Jesus would do. So God bless you all. Have a great week. If you need one of the sign-ups there, um, whether it's for Alpha or for the men's study or the Chili Shoot-Off, check it out.